Women Taking the Lead, Episode 82. I think the most important element to my leadership style is giving ownership. That is really how you can make people really, really excited about the work that they're doing because they're not just sort of showing up and and punching in a card and and doing a job. They're really co-creating alongside you. Hello, my name is Jody Flynn and welcome to Women Taking the Lead, where we are all about creating blasts of inspiration to help you overcome self-doubt so you can lead with confidence, integrity, and a sense of humor. Head over to womentakingthelead.com to get the solutions to your top five leadership challenges. Now, your future awaits, so let's get started. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us today. I'm here with Laura Roeder, who is the founder of Edgar, a new social media automation tool designed to prevent updates from going to waste. Laura began her entrepreneurial journey at the age of 22 when she quit a design job and decided to launch her first business. Since then, she founded B-School with Marie Forleo, has run successful courses of her own like Creating Fame and Social Media Marketer, and was even named a top 100 entrepreneur in America under 30 a few years ago. Edgar was created out of a need Laura had in her own business to more effectively manage social media. And so in 2014, Laura pivoted her business to dive into the software as a service world or SaaS as it's known. Since launching in mid 2014, Edgar has hit more than 150 in monthly recurring revenue, all while bootstrapping the entire way. And for those of you who don't understand that term bootstrapping, it means she didn't get investors. It was all on her own budget that got it there. And now more than 3,000 customers are now using Edgar to help manage their social media. Wow, Laura, you've had (laughs) quite the journey. Mm -hmm. Um, And it sounds like a lot, but it's only a little bit. It doesn't capture the entire you as a person. So tell us a little more about you and your own humble beginnings. Yeah. So uh, as you mentioned, I started my business really young. Uh, I don't have much formal experience in in uh, much of anything <laughs> because I had only worked one job before, you know, one professional job before I had started my business. I was a junior graphic designer, so that's officially the the highest job title I have I have ever achieved. Um, and I I really didn't know what I was doing when I started out because I quit my job without having freelanced on the side first. You know, most people are smart enough to kind of do some work on the side, get a few clients, figure out how it works, uh, and then quit their job. But I just quit my job, and then I had to I had to find a client. Um, so I I really didn't know how to do anything. I remember sitting down with someone asking them okay, I know I've heard that you're supposed to do a proposal. You know, when a client comes to you, you're supposed to give them something called a proposal. But what what is it exactly? You know, what what does it say? What's supposed to be in there? So I really had to figure out everything from scratch. Holy smokes. I've been there before with myself too, but it was after years of, you know, doing a couple jobs and 10 years in mutual fund operations. Laura, Now, you went into business at 22, having only had one job, but there must have been some skills or some things you had that were probably transferable Mm. that that helped you, even though I'm sure that the journey was very windy. What what did you think you had in your favor that really helped you when you made that transition into business? I mean, you know, 
one, to be clear, the skill that I was actually getting paid for is what I had done at my job. I was doing design. And also at my job, I had just become sort of the go-to tech person. Um, I'm sure I'm not the only one who's worked in an office where just sort of the youngest person there is responsible for, you know, yeah. <laughs> everything, everything technical, which was me. So I would do things like um, do AdWords campaigns for our clients just because they were like, I don't know, that's internet stuff, you know, just, just have Laura mm-hmm. do it. Um, so I was doing various, you know, marketing and online marketing um, types of things as well as design. So I, I did have those those skills already. Um, and, you know, I, I think I had a natural talent for asserting myself and, and talking to new people and kind of being comfortable being thrown into new situations. Yeah, you know, that's really great. You know, because a lot of times, especially when we're young, we can feel resentful that we're getting all the scut work thrown our way (laughs) and the things that nobody else wants to do. But actually, there's an advantage in that because then you know more pieces of the business than most other people around you. Right. I remember, um, you know, at that time, it was becoming a thing like people wanted to buy up domains. And so I remember my the people who owned the company I worked for being like, okay, Laura, you know, we don't really know what domains are, but find us some related to our industry and, you know, search for them and buy them. So they would just have me, yeah, do any kind of grunt work that was related to the internet. But then I, you know, learned about that industry and and buying and selling domains and things like that. Right. And even though you were doing some similar work that, I mean, doing it, you know, when you're a paycheck employee to now being the business owner, having to get clients. Yes, the 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 work, the technical work itself is the same, but there are so there's so much more to that. And I know we're going to get into it because, you know, and clearly, you know, you had confidence at that time. Right. And you probably gained even more confidence, feel even more secure in who you are and what you're bringing to the world. But take us back to a time when you were playing small and maybe you weren't aware of it at the time. It was only in retrospect you realized how capable you were and that you doubted yourself. Share with us the story and the lessons you've learned. So I often felt self-conscious about my age because I was very young and I also, I also looked even younger. Um, you know, I would get mistaken for a teenager. People would comment how young I looked. So it was something I was very self-conscious about. Uh, also, you know, the types of environments I was in looking for work, I would go to local chamber of commerce events for various neighborhoods in Chicago where I lived at the time. So most of the people there... I mean, you know, I would say mostly it was more sort of 40s, 50s, age range, maybe some 30s. Um, there was usually no one else in the room that was that was my age. So I kind of felt like I stuck out. And it was something I had always been a little nervous about. And I would sort of try to make myself seem older, look older. And the, I guess it was probably the, it was the first um, big business conference I went to. It was a conference for this group called E-Women Network, um, which I would go to some of their local events in Chicago at the time. And this was like their big national conference. And they had this section of the conference where you could get uh, laser coaching, where they had different types of like business coaches and you would go in and get coached for 15 minutes for free. So I thought, okay, I'll sign up for that. And I, I went in to this little sort of cubicle booth uh, to talk to this woman, and she started laying into me. She immediately told me that my voice was too high, that I needed to change the way that I talked and the tone of my voice. She literally told me, 
she said, you need to practice talking <laughs> really low. Yes. Oh, my God. She said if I practice talking like that, that I would, like, naturally bring, you know, the, the tone of my voice down. Um, she said I needed to dress differently. She said I needed to cut my hair differently. I mean, it was, it was crazy. Uh, and I just, I remember, like, trying to hold it together you know, while she was talking to me, like, okay, thanks for the feedback. Um, and then afterwards, just like lost it, just like <laughs> sobbing. Um, because she had literally said to me all the things that I was afraid that people were thinking, you know, like all your worst fears, someone says them to your face. Actually, you know, the person I had met at this conference, Christine Kane, who now is like this huge deal online. And I remember, uh, going to her hotel room afterwards and just like crying to her and she was so sweet to me and she was like don't listen to that lady she's just mad that she's not young anymore <laughs> um, but you know the the upside of this is like after I had gotten over the upset of being like oh no she's right you know every like I need to change everything about me um, the way she had done it was so over the top like the talking like this that it didn't take that long to sort of see how ridiculous it was as well. Mm -hmm. And what I really saw is, okay, someone just said to my face, all of my worst fears and it, I'm fine. Nothing happened. Right. You know what I mean? Like it didn't actually change yes. my life at all. Like this woman was sort of mean and it made me feel bad, but she didn't change me. She didn't change my business. She didn't change anything. And it actually was this great lesson in like, okay, what if everyone is thinking like, what if everyone in the room is thinking that they don't like my voice? So what? You know, what, what does it really matter to me? So it was a really hard thing and she made me feel terrible, but I, I think I'm grateful for it in the end. Yeah. Oh my gosh, Laura, what a great gift to be, you know, to face your darkest fears. It reminds me of Harry Potter, <laughs> you know, but like you, like it's, it sucked at the time, right? It was, it really upset you, but in retrospect to look at it and go, that's my worst fear. And I just faced it. And so what, Right. You know, and, you know, I do, you know, it always makes me cringe a little bit when when I hear about young women being coached to be more manlike um, in order to be accepted. But I think this is a great story and your success that you had after this experience, just being yourself, really like negating the advice you got and deciding that it was more important to just be yourself. And you went on to be incredibly successful with your your high voice and your longer hair and the clothes that you like to wear. You were able to stay feminine and be who you are and still be successful. That's huge. Yeah. And I think, you know, now I can sort of look back and the the coach was was quite a bit older. She was probably in her 70s. And now I can look back and sort of see that as an interesting thing. And it really shows you how different things were when she started, you know, right. she was probably running a business when she was young and she probably felt that she did have to change these things about herself in order to be taken seriously. And luckily that's not how things are anymore. But now I can sort of look back with compassion with the hard times that I'm sure that, that she went through. Mm hmm. Absolutely. It probably was true for her that if she hadn't changed herself, she would have had a much harder time. That's a great way to look back on it and look back on it with compassion. And it's great that you had somebody who was there that you could connect with right away mm -hmm. who could say, nope, take it with a grain of salt. 
this isn't where you want to go. And it's also important for, um, especially for the the women listening to know that, you know, sometimes people are going to come at you with some advice that's well intended, right? But it's not always going to be a good fit for you. So if it really turns you off or makes you cringe and really upsets you, you know, find someone that you can bounce it off of so that you can put it in perspective and see if you really want to take it on or let it go. Mm -hmm. Huge. Now, Laura, share with us a time in your journey when you had a wake-up call. Take us back to that moment and share with us the steps that you took that led to your success. This one, you know, I actually had a more challenging time thinking of a story. I think what I'm I'm going to share um, actually was an experience with um, Derek Sivers, who who is someone that I really admire. he was the creator of CD Baby, and he sold that for a lot of money. And he has a lot of just really smart, unorthodox business advice. And when I had first moved to LA, I was doing social media consulting. Uh, my my best friend is an actress, and she was on the TV show Heroes at the time. And I had helped her get on social media and uh, create her online presence and all that kind of stuff. So I was thinking, okay, I'm going to. Uh, specialize in, you know, maybe actors and maybe the uh, kind of fantasy sci-fi world because, you know, those actors and entertainers have their own conferences and and their own sort of little inner circle that I could get into. And I remember I I met Derek and I was kind of talking with him about this new career that I was starting. And we were talking about all these ideas and, and how I could specialize in this area. And I remember walking home from that meeting and just thinking, like, I don't even like sci-fi. And <laughs> for, some, for some reason, after talking out the idea with him, it really hit me. You know, there are so many people that this would be their dream career, getting to do social media and work with all their favorite actors and, you know, be involved in their favorite sci-fi fantasy movies and TV shows and stuff. They would just, that would sound amazing. You know, they would love to wake up and do that every day. And I don't even, I don't even like those shows, And for some reason, that really stood out to me as pointing me in the direction of really focusing on what I genuinely like and not trying to make myself like something else or try to make myself do something else that might be sort of a smarter direction because I thought, oh, I already have a a foothold in this world, you know, so that'll be easy for me. Um, But it never was. I mean, I pursued it for a little bit trying to get more clients who are actors and it just it just never worked out at all because I didn't really want to work with actors at all I liked working with my friend but I didn't want to work with with other actors and it's just that was it was just a lesson to me and not following necessarily what logically makes sense but really letting yourself be true to what you really want to do yeah oh my gosh I totally get that how it would seem from the outside that it would be super easy to just put yourself in this world and get a lot of clients. But if you're not passionate mm-hmm. about that area, if you like, because a lot of people, they there's always a the question of passion. Do you have to be passionate about a certain area really to do well in it? But when you have a passion, like if we're talking about acting and sci-fi, if you have a passion for those areas, you start speaking their language right. and you get them. If you don't, there's always something missing. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's harder to connect. So it's not as easy as it it appears. So it is important that especially if you're going to spend a a good chunk of your waking hours in one particular area or career or area of business, that you have a passion for it. Right. So that you get it. Yeah. And you know that what that passion can be is different for different people. Like 
Now, further along my journey, I've found that I just really enjoy running a business. And I think you could throw me into lots of different types of business. I think that if I owned a local tree trimming business, that would be really fun for me. Just doing the operations and doing the marketing. Like for me, it doesn't matter so much what the topic is. So I think, you know, it doesn't, the passions can be different. But yeah, if you're doing one on one services for people, like you said, people can tell if you're excited about sci fi or not. And they're going to have a much stronger connection to the people that are, as opposed to the people who are just doing it because they think it's going to be lucrative, basically. Mm hmm. Yeah. And that's definitely worked for you because you've pivoted a few different times, done different types of business, and they always seem to just blow up and do very well because you're able to bring your natural gifts, talents, and interests to each area. And I know a little bit from your background that you also let other people do what they're really good at too. You don't expect yourself to be good at all of it. Yes. Yes. So that's huge. Well, that's a great segue because what I wanted to ask you now, Laura, is about your leadership style because we all lead differently. Like we were just talking about, we have different passions and preferences and some of us are introverted, some of us are extroverted and all of that stuff. So how would you describe your leadership style? So as you just mentioned, I mean, I think the most important element to my leadership style is giving ownership, really letting the people on my team uh, truly own the domains and the projects that they are in charge of. And this is a big transition that a lot of people need to make. Um, I think when you start having other people in your business, most people start out by, by delegating, meaning you make a list of what needs to be done and then the other person does it. And then they come back to you and you check over it and you know, you make sure that they've done it in the exact way that you wanted. And that helps you get work done, but you're still doing a lot you know, you're still very, very involved in the process because you're doing all the assigning and all the checking. And there's this big margin for error because you're requiring that it be done a very specific way. Where in my business now, for example, I have someone who's in charge of customer service. So she's in charge of making all the decisions about how we do customer service at our company. I mean, I'm certainly free to tell her my opinion but at the end of the day, it's, it's her call and it's, it's her domain. And that is really how you can make people really, really excited about the work that they're doing because they're not just sort of showing up and, and punching in a card and, and doing a job. They're really co-creating alongside you. That, you know, and I know for one that that is inspiring, right? When somebody just lets you take ownership mm -hmm. of a certain area, it's because I've even, you know, in my business have partnered up with people where we say, okay, we're going to divide and conquer. You take on this, I take on this. And I've had the experience where I've then presented back, you know, my area, here's what we're doing, here's what we're going, here's what I want your feedback on. And then they continue to give feedback on areas where I didn't ask for feedback on and they wanted to take charge and make the final decision on some other things. And I was like, what? <laughs> what what's going on? Like, like, I thought we were on board with this during the meeting. And I'm, I was just reporting back to you. This is what I wanted. And it deflated me. Mm -hmm. I remember feeling like, oh, my gosh, now I, I feel like every time I come back and present something, I have to make a case mm -hmm. for all of it. I didn't realize I needed to make a case. And 
it did steal some energy. And I can only imagine as a team member, I would want your feedback for sure. And of course, it's your business and you know, your, your opinion is important. But to know that you trusted me enough to kind of make the take the lead and make some decisions on things and then let you know what I've decided and how it's going, I would get super revved up and I would want to do more research and try out some new things and, and just see how we could innovate it, like just to make it exciting. And I can imagine the people around you get supercharged by that energy. Yeah. And I think as business owners, we often make it too black and white. We think like either someone wants to own a business or, you know, they're not that type and they sort of just want to be an employee. But that's, that's really not true at all. You know, people like to have authority and, and, and have ownership and have that creativity and not everyone wants to own a business. Um, I'm reading a book right now. That's Ah, I'm blanking on the title, but it's a memoir of a woman who uh, was a personal shopper at at Bergdorf Goodman, and she created a lot of their departments. Like she ended up really heading up studio services where they would loan out clothes for TV and film, which ended up being very lucrative for them. So she was very happy to have this leeway to create these opportunities for for uh, Bergdorf, which you know ended up adding millions, billions of dollars to their bottom line, but she had no interest in owning a department store. You know, she Mm -hmm. loved her part of it. She loved the styling. She loved the shopping. She loved working with the films, working with the people. And it was just a good reminder for me. There's lots of people who have no interest in running a business just because that's a very specific set of skills, but they're super interested in running a customer service department or running a blog or even just being a customer service person that really gets to show up and, and do their best every day because they're, they're given that freedom to do so. So I think we always need a reminder that of that as business owners, you know, not everyone's like us and not everyone has the skills that we have, but that doesn't mean that they don't want to have that same sort of freedom in their job. Mm-hmm. You know, and the, the term that keeps coming to mind, that's a big buzzword right now is intrapreneurship, mm-hmm. like people who work within companies who have that entrepreneurial spirit. And it goes back to, you know, the first thing you said when I asked you this question is you give your team ownership, right? They might not want to own the business, but they want to own their piece of the business, their contribution, and you let them do that. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Huge. All right, Laura, what is one thing you're working on right now that you're really excited about? So the big thing I'm working on is, of course, my software, Edgar. Uh, We launched about a year and a half ago. And and as you mentioned in your intro, we've just had uh, super fast growth ever since. Um, We're hiring a lot of people right now. But I mean, the the reason that I'm here really is just so that people who who haven't heard of Edgar yet... um, can go to meetedgar.com and, and find out more. We're a social media automation tool that's really, really different from the other tools out there. You load up your library of content into Edgar. He sends them out for you every day. Your queue is never empty. Edgar keeps going back to your library to pull more and more content, recycling what you've already sent out so that more people can see it. So anyone who's listening who hasn't checked out Edgar yet, um, that's, that's what I'm really, really excited about. Mm, And people definitely need to check it out, especially for people who um, manage their social media and you're constantly getting worried because I don't have time to add more Mm. things, you know, or I haven't posted anything in a few days and now I'm running behind. Edgar is kind of the safety net. Yes, Edgar solves solves that problem. So you can always go in and add more live stuff, but basically Edgar just makes sure that you have good, solid content that you created, not, you know, that some bot created um, going out on your social media accounts every day. 
Right. And you're not just doing lame posts to keep up. Right. <laughs> you got some good stuff. All right. All right, Laura, now I'm going to do a quick leadership roundup. So tell us, what is one practice that helps to make you a better leader? So something we do at Edgar is every quarter we send out a survey to everyone on our team that asks three questions. What should we start doing? What should we stop doing? And what should we keep doing? And it allows everyone on the team to give input on uh, any inefficiencies that they see, any ideas that they have for the business that haven't come to light yet. And uh, doing that regularly and getting feedback from my entire team has been really valuable. Oh, that's huge. And what is one book that you would recommend to a woman to help her develop her leadership? I think for this, I'm going to pick a book that I need to read again now that I'm, I'm mentioning it. Um, Ignore Everybody by Hugh McLeod. Have you read that? No. Tell me about it. It came out quite a while ago now. No, I think it came out maybe about 2008 or so. And uh, it's called Ignore Everybody. It's really, really short. It's actually just like sort of little saying, a few little sentences on every page. Uh, and it just basically reminds you to ignore everybody and, and do your own thing, which I think is really important for leadership. Yes. I think, um, you know, and I've heard this distinction before too, like listen to your customers, right? And like you were saying the feedback to your employees, but like ignore the chatter Mm -hmm. of the outside world and everybody who has an opinion on how you should be doing things, but aren't living your life. (laughs) Yeah. And you know, ignore what your industry is doing too. People get so caught up in how everyone else does things, but what's so fun Mm -hmm. about owning a business is there are no rules, right? We all we all get to do it exactly how we want. So you don't have to do things the way everyone else in your industry does. Mm, I'm going to have to read this over the break because we've got, at the time of this recording, we've got Christmas coming. So I think in my downtime, I'm definitely going to take a look at that because I think that would be fun to kind to examine, well, how would I do things if I wasn't supposed to do mm. it a certain mm. way? That sounds like a lot of fun. All right, Laura, what advice would you give your younger self? I mean, something that I'm constantly evolving into in my business is just focusing more of my time on things that I really enjoy and also recognizing that my natural gifts, which I find really fun and easy, really do bring a lot of value to the company. Uh, Something, you know, I I talked to my kind of leadership team at Edgar recently about, uh, about just this, right? The activities that I do that bring the most value and something they said is, oh, you know, when you are on, we use Slack for internal communication, when you're on Slack and you just kind of, you know, give people a little smiley face or give people props or just sort of, you know, acknowledge what people are saying like that, that really is important to the team and the team really loves that. And I thought like, is that all I have to do? Like, <laughs> you know, that, that sounds really like read Slack messages and put little like pictures of cute dogs smiling, you know, to say like, Hey, good job. Um, that sounds really fun and really easy. Like I would love to do that all day. And it's always, it's always fun to recognize those things that for us are just like so effortless that they feel like nothing um, can really be impactful for other people. So I'm always trying to move towards that. Okay. Letting go of what, seems important because a lot of the things that in my head seem really important are not really the things that I need to be doing. Like at my company, we have an operations person who takes care of a lot of sort of the boring administrative stuff. You know, we have a CPA and bookkeeper taking care of the taxes. Like taxes are obviously really important, but that doesn't mean that I need to be the one 
crunching all the numbers, right? I can actually just praise people on Slack and, and that can be my contribution. So it's something that I'm, I'm moving towards and it's something that, you know, if I could have done it sooner, it would just be all the better. Mm, I don't think we hear that advice enough is to find what you do naturally and easily and you enjoy and do more of it. Mm. That's so great. All right, Laura, share with us a success quote or a mantra and why it has meaning for you. So one of my all-time favorite quotes is um, from Annie Dillard, and it's how we spend our days is, of course, how we spend our lives. And this quote has a lot of meaning for me because it's really a reminder that you can't look at the big events or the big goals. You know, if you're just looking at the one family vacation, well, maybe you spent a week doing that, but you spent all the other weeks just hanging out with your family and doing your work every day, right? So it's easy to sort of hype up these big events or think, okay, I'm going to put my head down and I'm going to work really hard for the next six months so I can take this I can take this week off, right? But you spend a lot more time on six months than you did a week. So I just always try to look at not just am I enjoying those big moments, am I working towards those those big moments, but am I really finding fulfillment in my in my boring everyday life? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's huge. And lastly, Laura, what is the best way for this community to connect with you? So you can find me on Twitter at LKR and you can find Edgar at Meet Edgar uh, on Twitter, Facebook and MeetEdgar.com. Awesome. And for those listening, you can find all the links and the resources shared in this episode at womentakingthelead.com, or you can use the short link, which is womentl.com. And Laura, thank you so, so much for taking the time to inspire and enlighten us. We are all better for having met you. Thank you. Thank you for joining me on Women Taking the Lead. Were you inspired to take some action today, but maybe don't know where to start? Or maybe you have so many great ideas you can't decide where to focus your attention. Don't let stress or overwhelm stop you from having the career, the business, or the life you want to live. Head over to womentakingthelead.com forward slash coaching or use the short link womentl.com forward slash coaching to sign up for a consultation with me. And to strengthen you on your leadership journey, I'd like to send you off with a quote from Marianne Williamson. So here goes. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. Again, thank you for joining me, and here's to your success.